Hello, hello, everybody, and welcome to the Yours Truly podcast. This is a podcast where we are not going to tell you to start a new diet or set a thousand and a half new resolutions at the start of the new year, but instead, we are going to talk about some ways that you can create a healthy relationship with food and your body and explore health in a way that's detached from dieting and restriction, because after all, you cannot hate yourself healthier. So that's my spiel. If you're new around here, my name is Claire Tuning. Yes, that is my real last name. I did not make it up. It is quite perfect for what I do as a dietitian, but I am a registered dietitian, a certified intuitive eating counselor, the owner and founder of Yours Truly Nutrition, and I'm also a firm believer that iced coffee is the best coffee no matter how cold it is outside, that peanut butter and jellies are the best food to ever exist, and that Taylor Swift is the best musical artist of our age. If you disagree, well, you might not belong here. But I'm so glad that you are joining me for our first episode of 2022. I guess since this is the first episode of the new year, I owe it to you to wish you a happy new year. I know I'm a week late to the party. I decided to take a little bit of time off of podcasting away from the mic over the past month. So thank you for understanding that sometimes I need a break too, but I'm really excited to be back with you all here today. And I figure since it is the first episode of 2022, we can do a little a little conversation here at the start of the episode about resolutions. I have one that I would like to share with all of you, and it does not involve anything to do with food or movement, it's okay if you set some sort of goal or intention related to food or movement, but I also want to offer the reminder that you don't need to set any resolutions this new year. You are allowed to simply exist. I think so often we get trapped in the rat race of improvement, I have to do more and I have to do more, and That really resembles dieting in a lot of ways, where we never feel good enough, we're always setting new goals, always having to do more, and it can get to be quite exhausting, especially when we are now on year two of living through a pandemic. So if you just want to exist and survive heading into this new year, I think that is really admirable. My one goal or my resolution is to read at least 30 fiction books this year. I've talked about this a little bit on the podcast, more often on social media, my Instagram stories to be exact, but last year around this time, I rediscovered reading. You might be like, Claire, you rediscovered reading, it didn't go anywhere. Like, I know, listen, I know this is not a hot take, but for the longest time in my life, I thought I didn't like reading. And then I had someone, a friend at the time say, maybe it's not that you don't like reading, but maybe you're not reading books that are entertaining for you or that are enjoyable. I went through a long period of time, especially throughout my time in school, where I was only reading nonfiction and there's nothing wrong with that. I've learned a lot of great things from nonfiction books, but I started to not enjoy reading because every time I would open up a nonfiction book, it would feel like school. And me being the very type A student and human that I am, I would always feel the need to like take notes and retain all of the information, almost like I was going to be quizzed on it, even though no one was going to quiz me, no one was asking that of me, but long story short, it felt like a chore. So I never wanted to read. 
But this time last year, I decided to pick up a fiction book. The first book I read last year was Where the Crawdads Sing. I believe it's by Delia Owens. That stands out to me. You might have to fact check me on that. But I loved that book and I started reading more and more fiction last year. I discovered Colleen Hoover. This is not a podcast about books, but if you're looking to read fiction books, please do me and yourself a favor and pick up a Colleen Hoover novel. I love them. And I read more last year in 2021 than I think I ever have in my entire life. So I tallied up the books from last year. I think it was like 22, something like that. So I thought it would be a reasonable and a realistic goal to try to read at least 30 fiction books this year. I'm currently on my second one of the year. It's January 11th as I'm recording this and I'm loving it so far. Let me see. The one I'm reading now, I'm looking over on my sofa. It's called The Wrong Family by Taryn Fisher. It's quite entertaining so far. Anyways, I did not mean this intro. I did not mean for it to turn into a five-minute conversation about books, but alas, here we are. Getting a little bit more back on track though, we are going to kick off this new year of podcasting here on the Yours Julie podcast with an episode that I recorded a few weeks back with Andy Miller. So you may know her as Andy Does Healthy on TikTok and on Instagram, and I was so excited to have her on to talk through some dieting fads, popular ones we see, especially around this time of year. More importantly, why they're BS and how you can avoid them at the start of this new year. And I have a lot more to tell you about Andy and this episode here in a few minutes. But first, I have to tell you that this episode of the pod is is brought to you, not broadcasted, what am I saying? Words are hard. Is brought to you by my online intuitive eating discovery course. If you have ever wondered how to get started with intuitive eating, how to break up with your dieting tools like the scale or food tracking devices, or how to even start reconnecting to your body's cues around food and challenge the voice of that inner food police, then this course was created by me specifically for you. The course contains a lot of resources that are going to help you learn how to take those first steps towards having a more confident and free relationship with food, including, drum roll please, I don't know if you could hear that, but I did a little drum roll for you including uh, eight guided coaching lessons. And each of these coaching lessons are led by me. They go right into your ears and they are filled with real life tools that you can take and apply to your life as soon as you listen to each of the lessons. You're also gonna get downloadable PDF worksheets following each coaching module so that you can read over some key takeaways. There are journaling prompts. There are activities as well to help you set goals and take action, most importantly, on what you learn in each module. You also get lifelong access to a private Facebook community that is just for course participants. Here you can ask questions. You can get community support from others and myself. And we also do a monthly live Q&A session. So if you have questions about the course, about nutrition, about intuitive eating in general, you will have the space to ask those questions and have them answered personally by me. 
And along with the course, there's also some really awesome bonus content. We have a mindful eating guide. There's a 45 minute body image Q&A with licensed professional counselor and body image coach, Brianna Campos. You may know her as body image with Brie on Instagram. There's an additional resources guide. There are phone backgrounds. There's all this stuff that comes free with your uh, entry into the course community. So if you would like to learn more about this course and claim your spot in our course client roster today, then you can visit clairetuning.com slash course. Again, that's clairetuning.com slash course. And as a thank you for being a listener of the podcast, I have a little gift for you. So you can enter the code podcast, all one word, all together at checkout for 10% off of your enrollment investment. That's clairetuning.com slash course and enter the code podcast, all one word, all together. I don't think it matters if it's in caps or not. So just the word podcast at checkout for 10% off of your enrollment in the intuitive eating discovery course. And I hope to see you on our participant list very soon. It's a really supportive community and it's a great place to be, especially at the start of the new year. If you want to put your time and effort and energy into your relationship with food in a way that is not going to resemble anything that's going to put you on the dieting cycle. But now, moving on to our Yours Truly Goal Slayer featured post of the week. This is a little segment that I do in every intro to the podcast where I feature a recently shared post from our free private Facebook community. Now, this is not the community I was just talking about associated with the course, but this is a group that is open, free to join. We have over 900 members, and I'll tell you more about how to join here in a couple of seconds. But this post comes from a member of our community and it is New Year's theme. So I'm gonna read the post and also a couple of comments or responses that this poster received. So they write, I don't know if it's just a coincidence or fueled by potential upcoming New Year's resolutions, but I feel like I have been bombarded by dieting ads and weight loss related ads on social media over the past few days. Is this an issue for anyone else? I've been muting the ads, so hopefully I don't see them anymore. But to be honest, it's tempting to even look at some of them. So this poster has a lot of people in the comments saying, same, it's happening to me too. Someone says that they report these as false advertising. Um, I recommend doing this. Usually on most ads or posts, you can click on the three little dots in the top right-hand corner and report as not interested, false advertising. There are a couple of different options that you'll get to report them. But um, one commenter wrote something that I just kind of wanted to reiterate here because this advice is typed out and framed, I think, better than I could have worded it myself. But they wrote, just remember that the majority of them are fake and only want you to purchase their merchandise. Evil diet corporations thrive on your insecurity. Try not to let them profit off of your pain. Just another reason to spite them and learn to love your body. And then one other commenter writes, oh yeah, on TV, social, spam emails, even a few texts this person received, it's really quite triggering to see all of that when you're trying to have a healthier relationship with your body and food. 
So if you are listening and you are in the same boat and you are frustrated and exhausted by seeing all of these things, know that you're not alone. If you can take a little bit of time away from social, this might be a good time of the year to do that. I recognize sometimes social media does have its positive benefits, right? Does have, you know, places where you can find community, watch funny dog videos and laugh at them. So maybe you can just consume content in a little bit more of a mindful way, clean up your social feeds. I tell my clients all the time that even if you've already done a social media detox and you've cleaned out your feeds of all of the diety influences, sometimes those influences have a sneaky way of getting back in. So if you can take a little bit of time and re-filter through some of your feeds, unfollow, maybe mute some different people, mark uninterested in these ads like we were talking about earlier, I think that can be a really great and productive use of your time. So I'll let you take that for what it is worth, but that is the, the post that I wanted to feature from our goal setting community. If you would like to come and join us in this free community, it is open for you to join. We would love to have you to ask questions, to gather support. Sometimes I do live videos in this community as well. So if you're not already there, you can visit clairetuning.com community. There on that link, you will find a brief application that will have you fill out so you can learn more about the community, read over our guidelines. And then once you submit that application, my team and I will reach out to accept you and welcome you with a big ol' virtual hug. Open arms, as they say. But as I said earlier, I am so pumped to kick off the new year with this interview with Andy Miller. So a little bit about Andy. Andy is a registered dietitian with 10 plus years of experience as an outpatient dietitian in a private practice, medical facility, corporate wellness presenter, and in dietary analysis and research. Now, if her name sounds familiar to you, it's probably because you have seen her taking down, like, taken down all this nutrition information on TikTok and debunking all kinds of myths with both a dose of science and sarcasm. And those are both two things that I can always appreciate, especially when they are paired together. I don't think I watch one of her TikTok videos that do not make me laugh. I don't know if that made any sense when it came out of my mouth, but all I'm trying to say is she is funny. She is so knowledgeable on all things nutrition, metabolism, even chemistry. Like if you take one look at her videos, you will know exactly what I am talking about. But in this episode, we talk about three dieting trends that are pretty common these days, especially with the turn of the new year. I have heard all of these being talked about with a high level of frequency on social media. So we are going to take down Whole30, Keto, and Intermittent Fasting. And as we are doing this, we're going to go over what each diet is a few of the many, many reasons why we would not recommend them to the vast majority of the population. And we're also going to talk about how you can avoid falling into these dieting traps this January. And I do want to provide a little content warning before we get into this episode. 
You know, since Andy and I are talking about specific diets and what they entail, there are some descriptions in this episode of specific dieting behaviors involving restriction and cutting out entire food groups. So it is important for me to note that we're talking about these things in order to highlight the harm that they can cause. So we are not going to be promoting these things. We are going to be taking them down and talking about them from an educational point of view. But if hearing any of these descriptions of dieting behaviors is going to be hard for you, then you might want to consider skipping this episode and rejoining us next week, or maybe even just checking out Andy's TikTok if you want to get a little sense of her sense of humor and what she has to offer. But without further ado, let's go talk to Andy Miller. Hi, Andy. Welcome to the Yours Truly podcast. I am so excited to have you here. Thank you. Uh, anyone who knows you from TikTok, I know I am excited to get you in a longer than 60 second to three minute yeah. format here. So maybe our listeners feel the same. But uh, before we officially dive in, I have a couple of fun this or that questions that will play to just kick things off on a lighthearted note. Sound good? Sounds good. Yes, I'm ready. Okay. First question. And this is about Reese's peanut butter cups. I need to know, yes. do you prefer Reese's Easter eggs or Reese's Christmas trees? Oh, Christmas trees. They're more interesting. I agree. It's pretty rare to find someone who doesn't think the eggs are the best shape though, but I agree with you. I think the trees and the pumpkins are really good. But can I pick option C? Because I just like the cups better because they're smaller. So they have a larger chocolate to peanut butter ratio. Oh, so it's so interesting you bring that up. The reason why I personally prefer the shapes more is because there's more peanut butter than there is chocolate. And that's just the kind of gal I am. <laughs> no, I do appreciate that though. You know, we got to pick our favorites. We do. Moving on to my second question. This is also food related, but very important. When yes. it comes to coffee, hot, yes. hotter. <laughs> so oh, like, no question, hot. coffee in hot. general, but hot. Because I always get my iced coffee with light ice because the ice waters down the coffee. Mm -hmm. Yeah. See, this is something that we must take into consideration, but I'm team iced all year round. I don't Oh, see, I've lived in cold climates and I'm not a naturally warm person. So uh yeah, I, I can't say I am either, but I just like drinking it through a straw and drinking hot liquids through a straw feels weird to me. I will. I will agree with that. Warm liquids through a straw is kind of gross, <laughs> but I just, I like warm beverages. We will allow you to have your preference. Yes, we will. Uh, next one. Would you prefer a night at home or a night out on the town? Dude, I'm turning 37 next month. <laughs> I am way too old for a night on the town. You're like, leave the house. No. <laughs> My husband was like, we should get a babysitter. And go on a date after the kids go to bed, which is like after seven o'clock. And I'm thinking that's way too late for me. I don't think I can do that. I shared with you before we hit record that I do not have kids. And I very much admire humans who also take care of themselves along with other humans. And I can't even imagine a full day of taking care of not one, but two babies and then wanting to go out afterwards. Can't even imagine. No. <laughs> During Christmas break, we had like an eight, eight o'clock dinner reservation. Oh, it was exhausting. <laughs> like never again. No. Uh, I have two more for us before Shoot. we wrap this up. First one. Okay. Let's say 
if you are going to go out yes. on the town and see a show, would you prefer yes. to see a stand-up comedy show or a concert? Oh, concert. I'm from Seattle. Concerts. Concert. Okay. If you, I mean, if you could go to any concert tomorrow, which concert would you go to of any artist? Doesn't matter if they're currently. Oh, this is so hard. (laughs) Oh my God. I don't even know. A good one. Garth Brooks. Oh. I've lived in the South way too long. Uh So the only thing I could think of is country and I would totally go see a Garth Brooks concert, which is embarrassing, but it's true. I don't think it's embarrassing. I love me some Garth Brooks. I um, I grew up in what I would call the north of the south, so southwestern Virginia. So I grew up yeah. with a lot of country music. So that would be nice, especially in the summer. Yeah. Or some kind of like embarrassing 80s hair metal or. <laughs> yeah, one of those. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And my final question, I created this one specifically for you since I was introduced oh, to no. you your content through TikTok. If you had to pick one social media platform to have for the rest of your life and you couldn't have the other one would you choose instagram or tiktok neither <laughs> you're like i, I hate them pick, both <laughs> i would pick completely off the grid you created your option c yet again yeah no um i don't I think I enjoy TikTok. I I like TikTok because of the video platform um, because it's more interesting than just looking at a picture. I would pick TikTok, yes. I was thinking that was maybe going to be your answer. Yeah, and I, I I suppose, granted, there's a lot, there's a lot of nuance in this, but when it comes to how nutrition started on Instagram, since everything is photo-based, influencers were judged on their ability to be a health influencer by more appearance Mm -hmm. rather than substance. Mm -hmm. So that could be an entirely different podcast. But if you were a health influencer, you had to be attractive and look at my pretty food and all of these other things rather than can I give you a sound argument through what I'm saying? Because there was no videos on Instagram. So it's a very different platform. So it's a, yeah, that's a very different argument for another day. Yeah. We we could probably have at least an hour long conversation just on that, but that's something that I appreciate about TikTok as well, especially with the addition of the three minute video option. Yeah. One minute you can get some stuff in there, but it's really pushing it sometimes based on what you're talking about. But three minutes, you can really present an argument for something, which as we talk about, you do on TikTok. And we love that. I try to. Yeah. (laughs) And I mean, TikTok, I, I wear my pajamas and I don't like to wear makeup and people aren't that judgmental all the time. So that's helpful. I guess kind of depends on kind of depends on what you're talking about. And uh true. We'll, we'll go deeper there, but before we get to the bulk of what we're here to talk about today. Yes. If anyone who is listening is not familiar with you, your content, what you do, can you just share a little bit about yourself, what you do and why you do it? I would argue that final piece is maybe most important. Um so I am a dietitian. I have I have been a dietitian for heavens 
going on 11 years. Um, I used to work in private practice. I don't anymore because I had small children and then we moved twice. Um, now we see clients out of my kitchen and I started seeing clients because of TikTok. And I started a TikTok account because my sister had a TikTok account and she said, you should do this. So I said, okay, even though I thought I was too old for TikTok. Um, and then the account started to grow. And I guess the account started because I started seeing really incorrect scientific information on TikTok. And it just started as a, hey, no, that's incorrect. Let's correct these things. And then it just began to grow. And it's evolved more into, I guess, the point of the account is basic foods. For example, Cheerios. The ingredients in a lot of quote-unquote processed foods, there's a lot of misinformation spouted about whether these foods are safe, whether these foods are healthy. Um, And this information is posted all over the internet. And it makes people very scared of perfectly healthy and perfectly safe foods. Um, And as a parent and as a consumer, it's very hard to decipher which information you should listen to. And unfortunately, because of how information is spread and what kind of information gets views and because of the clickbait nature of the media, it's the fear-based information that gets the most clout. So all we hear is the bad stuff and the scary stuff. So I started the platform to try to promote as much correct scientific-based information as possible to say, hey, you can eat Cheerios and you'll be just fine. Um, And then at the same time too, there's a lot of pushing of fad diets and diet culture and um, fat phobic content. So pushing another rhetoric besides that message, um, I think is very important. I agree wholeheartedly. And when I think of your content, like if I had to come up with a sound bite to describe <laughs> how I see you in your content, <laughs> buckle up. I just came up with this on the spot. I think it would be something along the lines of taking the fear out of fueling our bodies because you are always- I appreciate like, that. Yeah, you're welcome. Because you're always stitching- these videos where it's someone, I feel like if I'm to impersonate this person, my voice needs to like drop down a couple levels. It's like, never eat this thing. This is so awful for X, Y, and Z reason. And you're you are going, going to die. No, yeah, all of not. these talk about catastrophizing, like a lot of these videos and you just come in by saying, Hey, that's not quite right. Or we're misconstruing that. Or, you know, here's a, another way of looking at that, which I think for not only a a fellow professional, like it's really helpful for me to see, but for consumers as well, I think it's super helpful. So that kind of gets us to why I wanted to have you on the pod today. I told you before we hit record, I try to brainstorm themes for episode that will be fitting for the time that this episode is going to be released. And this one's going to come out around the new year. And not that fad dieting only happens around the new year. This is definitely something that happens all year. It's going to get an extra push. New year, new you. I hate that. I like the old me. Thank you very much. I do not want to rebrand. 
New Year. I just want to know. Yeah. <laughs> That's going to be the title of this episode, potentially. I don't want to rebrand. I just want to know. <laughs> but it's true. I like myself. Thank you. But with this idea of fad diets being pushed really strongly around this time of year, I thought it could be helpful if we talk about a few of the ones that are pretty popular these days that are talked about. And we can not only break down what these diets are, but why they're not the bee's knees, <laughs> why they're Absolutely. not the bee's knees, how Absolutely. we can avoid them, etc. So before we even get to that, I'm just kind of curious because you spend a lot of time on nutrition TikTok, the nutrition mm-hmm. side of the internet internet. Do you see any like trends coming with 2022? Like what do you see being talked about a lot that you foresee being popular or pushed a lot in the new year. Any thoughts on that? Um, so usually there's some kind of, granted, this is just me. I should go get my tinfoil hat because this sounds a little bit woo woo. Usually you can kind of go hand in hand with a villainized food group and a diet that's being pushed. And right Mm -hmm. now the hatred is on vegetable oil and a diet that's being pushed tends to be keto carnivore, go animal fats. So keto has been pushed for a while, but now there's more of the only eat meat which is just gross. Meat is fine in moderation. Go for it. But a diet that is completely absent of fiber, green vegetables, it's probably not going to, it's not going to feel too good for uh, the person doing it. And maybe the people around them as well, dare I say, I mean, think about not having carbohydrates, what it would do for your mood. I would be a grouch all the time. I mean, amongst having a lot of bathroom issues, probably on top of that. Either with the bathroom issues, it either goes one or two ways and neither ways are good ways. So (laughs) it could, so with diet trends, you never know. And that's the thing is that trends are trends and they're really hard to predict. Um, so maybe carnivore is going to make a big explosion. Um, maybe it's had its big explosion. Who even knows? What I can, I don't even know. What'll be really interesting for us to do is, is for us to revisit this around this time next year and see if your prediction came true. Well, we'll see. We'll, we'll put that on. The yes. <laughs> but uh, since you just brought up this fixation on meat, carbohydrates being villainized, maybe the first one that we can get in here with is keto. Does that sound cool? Yes. Can we start there? Okay. Sure. I can, I can see the, the wheels turning inside your brain right now. You're ramping up for yes. it. So why don't you kick us off? I mean, I don't think anyone who is listening to this episode has never heard of keto. Like I think yeah. this is a thing that most people are familiar with, at least to a certain extent. So could you just give us the brief definition overview of what this even is. So the basic origins of the keto diet loosely started in the 1920s 
as a treatment for refractory epilepsy. So epilepsy that refractory epilepsy basically means that it didn't respond well to medication. Um, so physicians noticed that seizures were less active during times of fasting and with this specific, with this specific diet. Um, if you want more really detailed information, go on this. The Maintenance Phase podcast has a really good. Yes, they do. Background story on how the keto diet went from being used as a treatment for a disease, which it actually is a really good treatment for seizures. The issue is it's very hard to um, stick to, and we'll talk about why in a second, but how it got used in a film documentary, and then it got discussed on a podcast and how it can help you lose weight. And then it got exploded onto the American diet culture scene. Um, why is it hard to stick to? Basically, because what you do is it's a very high fat, moderate to low protein, extremely low carbohydrate diet. The mechanism is once you can start consuming this diet, you deplete all of your um, blood, muscle, liver, glycogen stores and start converting your body fat into ketone bodies, which aren't necessarily a carbohydrate. They're more of a ketone body thing that your body then uses for fuel because your brain is an obligatory carbohydrate user and your brain makes these ketones to use for fuel. Um, it is very useful on, for a number of reasons for weight loss. Reasons being, if you cut out all of the food groups, except for basically high fat foods, you can't eat carbohydrates. You can't eat a lot of proteins. You're only left with this itty bitty amounts of food. You're going to lose weight because you can't eat chips, donuts, and pasta. And people think, oh, I'm losing all this weight because keto is magical. No, you're losing all this weight because you've reduced your calories because you can't eat chips, donuts, and pasta and all of the things that are wonderful in life. Um, so on this diet, once you've depleted all of these carbohydrates, your body shifts into the state of ketosis. So your body is now converting your fat stores and um, into these things called ketone bodies. The issue with ketosis is the single moment that you eat a carbohydrate or you eat too much protein, your body says, now I can make carbs and you're bumped out of ketosis. Right. Important to note there why that happens is because the body would prefer <laughs> to do yes. yes. The yes. body would prefer carbohydrates being around. Yes. And an argument people say all the time is that oh, you know, this is the ideal way for your body to make, you know, to, to use energy. No, it's not. It's a starvation mechanism. Right. Your body does it because it has to. Because to it has no alive. other choice. It has yeah. no other choice. Yeah. Bodies are good at surviving. They are, we'll, we will give them credit for that. Yeah. That's what, that's what they're made to do. Yeah. Um, but it's not very efficient. It's not that pleasant. Um, and legitimately, the second you, or if you have like an alcoholic beverage or anything with carbohydrates, you kick yourself out of ketosis and you legitimately have to start from stage one and do it all over again 
And depending on the person, it can take anywhere from a few days to a week to get back into ketosis. Yeah. And something that we talk a lot about here on the podcast, and I talk a lot about in my content and, and you do in your content as well, is assessing how something fits in to our overall quality of life and our relationship with food, right? <laughs> I wish maybe I'll take a video clip of your face when I said that. Andy's face right now. Yes, that is the perfect description of how I feel internally when I think of not eating things like pasta other grains, potatoes, fruits, vegetables, all of the above, because it's unpleasant and it's not sustainable. Well, and that's the thing is that it's not sustainable. And A, anything that tells you that broccoli you can't eat, red flag. (laughs) And And a lot of times too, to keep the weight off in a keto diet, people need to stay eating in some sort of keto diet. And can you do that forever? Maybe. Do you want to do that forever? No. I mean, I wouldn't. Have you ever tried it? Me personally? Yeah. No. Yeah. I did it for a week. It was the worst week of my life. Not fun. Yeah. No. Um, Did you, did you find the, the keto flu symptoms upon you when you were doing that? No, it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. Um, but I kicked myself out of ketosis by eating like I was eating some kind of chicken with like a really fatty peanut sauce. Uh So I kicked myself out of ketosis by eating too much protein. Uh-huh. It's like, oh, great. You, you know, you quote unquote failed your diet by eating too much chicken. Um, and then this is just, this is icing on the cake. I almost pooped in my bed <laughs> while I was sleeping. You heard it here first, folks. A I've said this before, <laughs> but I had it like I had this steak salad, right? Really fatty steak with like bacon bits and avocado and a little bit, like a little teeny bit of greens blue cheese dressing, normal, very whatever. And then I went to bed and it was like, oh my God, run to the toilet. The amount of fat that is in that diet. So with a keto diet, it's about 75% of your diet being from fat. That is a lot of fat. Mm -hmm. And to actually hit the amount of fat, most people need to supplement fat, like adding butter to your coffee. I had to drink like fat, like hot chocolate that was like an MCT oil hot chocolate, Mm -hmm. like products that were keto products because I couldn't hit the amount of fat that was needed in the diet. And my digestive system was like, we hate you. Yeah. Well, not to mention that level of fat being challenging on the digestive system. But when we're aiming for a carbohydrate intake that is that low, talk about how hard it is, dare I say impossible to get the level of fiber <laughs> that we know. And that's the thing is yeah. that you, you can't. Right. Um, so it, it helps people lose weight, but when they go off the diet, the weight comes back, which for someone emotionally is really demoralizing. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you will know yo-yo dieting is, is incredibly metabolically damaging on the system. Mm-hmm. So with keto, I just say, stay away, bud. 
I think that's a a good wrap to the keto conversation. Yeah. Stay, stay away, bud. <laughs> stay away. Maybe the next one that would make the most sense to go into is whole 30. Now I bring up this one because again, I often find that it has a heyday around this time of year. People want to start something for the new year. There is a timestamp associated with this one. It feels like a way to, you know, I hear people say it'll, it'll cleanse you from the holidays. It'll reset you for the new year, all this stuff. You and I both have taken it upon ourselves to look over the whole thing <laughs> website, specifically the page I am on. I'm on the, like the foods do's and don'ts page. Yeah. And, um, would love to know your thoughts on this. So with whole 30, whenever I think of whole 30, I think of whole 30 day 30, like whole 30 is, you know, your whole 30 is your diet. And then day 31 is a whole cake or a whole pizza. Like that's all I can think of, but there's this whole list of yes, eat real food. No, avoid for 30 days in this whole list. And all I can think of is why that, that is exactly what I think when I look at this list, because to give people an idea too, of the no foods or the avoid for 30 days, um, any added sugar, any alcohol, no grains, no legumes, no dairy, uh, no, I find this one really interesting too. It's talking about no foods that are labeled like whole 30 compatible. Like it really wants like no type of quote unquote treat food, nothing in a box, even if it is whole 30 compatible. It's like, why, why to echo you on those foods? And, and then the, the, the foods that they say yes to, it's like, why did you pick those? Because if it's based on some ancient ancestral diet, it's like, A, you weren't there. How do you know? (laughs) B, your ancestors did consume grains and legumes. And like, why can't I eat buckwheat? Why can't I eat bean sprouts? Like, but why can I eat endless amounts of bacon and ghee? Like the, the rules in Whole30 just sound, but I can't eat chips at their store bought, but I can make them at home. Like I get that a little bit, but the rules seem so random. Very, very arbitrary. And as well, the fact that it's within this like 30 day time frame. So I can't eat them for 30 days. What happens on day 31? I can suddenly eat a legume again. The, the legume hasn't well, changed. Well, and the, the hard part about it is, is that on day 31, I will eat a pizza. Well, that's the binge restrict cycle for you, right? (laughs) Yeah. And the hard thing is, is that A, people lose weight and feel better because they will eat less calories and eat less junk food. And then they think, oh, this whole 30 diet is magical. No, it's not. It's you've eliminated all of these other foods, but because it is such a restrictive diet, it sets people up to fail. It makes you, because of the nature of the billion dollar diet industry, it makes you do it again and Mm -hmm. again and again and again and again. And you keep coming back and you keep spending money, which just, if a diet worked, you would only have to do it once. 
Yep. I say the same thing very frequently. And, and one of my issues as well with, I mean, all diets, this one specifically though, is it doesn't really give you the tools to learn how to coexist peacefully with food. Right. Um, like, you yes. Like you were saying a moment ago, someone might define success on a diet like this as weight loss, right. Or feeling better. Yes. And at the same time, if we have gotten there through a lot of restriction and avoidance of these foods, that doesn't mean that we're going to continue to be able to avoid them and, and live peacefully with foods in our life, right? If all you've been taught is avoid this, avoid this, avoid this, what do we do if we go to a social gathering and it's there and that's all you want to think about? Yes. And, and, and just looking back at the rules, yes, eat real foods eat foods with a simple or recognizable list of ingredients, which I have peeved issues with anyway, but then it says, but you can't eat beans, but you can't eat grains. I recognize those ingredients. Exactly. And those are quote unquote whole foods. Those are foods that are good for you that are nutrient dense, but it's exactly like you said, there's no transition into, okay, we're eating more whole foods. But how, how do I take this into brunch with my friends? How do I take this into, you know, when there's chips at a Mexican restaurant? How do I take this into actual life? Because hopefully, yes. Lord willing, and the creeks don't rise, as my grandma would say, <laughs> we're going to live past 30 days. And then what do we do then? Right. That's the hope. Yeah. The, the final thing that I will say about this is, I don't know if you've scrolled down to this part of the page, but the part that's titled, it's for your own good. And they have a list of rebuttals to things that people say. The first thing that they said, do you see it? The first one, the first one says, this is not that hard. Oh, I want to This is not that hard. It says fighting cancer is hard. Birthing a baby is hard. Losing a parent is hard. Drinking your coffee black is not hard. That's literally what it says. I would argue, of course, everything that they just listed. Yes. Very hard. And at the same time, I would also argue that if you're being told you cannot eat the foods that you exist on <laughs> like, and you cannot have them for a whole month, that is challenging, especially. He- yeah, go ahead. Well, 30 is expensive. You read my mind. Yep. That is hard. If I don't know how to prep these foods, if I don't recognize these foods, if I don't have the time to cook them, if my family doesn't like them, if I'm doing this diet alone, this is really hard. This is really isolating. If I'm avoiding social events to do it, this is hard. And the don't even consider possibility of a slip. Oh, the profane words that could come out of my mouth right now. That, um, yeah. Yeah. For our listeners, the next bullet point is those words. Exactly. Don't even consider the possibility of a slip. Talk about all or nothing thinking and them promoting it as healthy. Right. And they're doing this under the guise of be tough. You know, you owe it to yourself, commit to the program, no, like when, it's so wild to me that this would be encouraged as a healthy behavior. 
that is all. Encouraging perfectionism is not yeah. a positive mm-hmm. tendency. Like we're not doing gymnastics again. We don't need to do that. Yep. Especially no. when it comes to eating. Cause I know something that Especially, I see, you know, something that I see often in the people who I work with is they have really been preached this idea of perfectionism and eating. And for a lot of individuals that can open up the door to a really slippery slope when it comes yeah. to disordered eating behaviors, yeah. eating disorders and all that. Yep. And most of the clients I work with have relationships with food that aren't awesome, that they don't, you know, that's like the, a lot of the work that we have to start doing is, is saying you need to stop restricting Mm -hmm. that you can let yourself eat these foods and, and things like whole 30, when it's like, this is not that hard. Don't eat this food. Don't consider a possibility of the slip that takes you back more steps than is even necessary. I'll quote what you said earlier when we were wrapping up the part about keto. Stay away, bud. <laughs> Stay away. The final one, I know we're getting close to our time here, but the final one that I would love to touch on, if it's okay with you. Yes. Let's do a little uh, intermittent fasting chat. I know the, um, there are a couple of different approaches yes. and a couple of different ways of structuring an intermittent fasting approach. But could you maybe just give us your overview in general? of the idea behind it. And if you think it's a good idea. So this is one of those things that you hear. So I got a message from someone, I think on Instagram saying, you know, intermittent fasting has been used, for example, in Ayurvedic medicine. Uh, Fasting has been used in Granted, I worked with Indian clients for a very long time. In Ramadan, people fast for a month. Fasting has been used in all sorts of cultures and traditions for a myriad of reasons that are not diet and weight loss related. Mm -hmm. That's wonderful. But then the second that any kind of American or diet culture gets a smell that it can help you lose weight, here comes the weight loss bandwagon and it gets bastardized. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of sad when something like that happens because it happened to the, like happened to the keto diet too. The keto diet has a purpose for epilepsy. Mm-hmm. It's a clinical diet. So intermittent fasting, I think started because of the idea that it can promote autophagy and longevity and cellular regeneration and all of these other things. But then once you get a sniff of, oh, I did intermittent fasting and I lost weight and then it became pushed as a weight loss Mm -hmm. thing. I don't know who did it. I don't know the history of it and how all of that came to be. It got started being pushed as a weight loss thing. If you limit your eating hours, are you going to consume less calories and are you going to lose weight? Yeah. So there's different ways to do that. There's like a 16 hours not eating and then an eight hour on window. People will, there's, I don't even know. There's multiple ways and you can probably chime in of what things you've heard 
regarding fasting structures. Yeah. Like I I said earlier, there's multiple structures, multiple ways of approaching this. I don't even know if we need to dedicate our time to describing this is how you do it because it's not something that I personally am going to push. Yeah. But the one thing that I will say about it, and I'll echo what I said earlier when we were talking about, I think I said this with keto, but it fits with the whole 30 as well. Does it fit with your life? Does it make eating enjoyable, more peaceful for you? Or does it do the opposite, right? I have worked with some people who say, realistically, when I look at how I eat naturally, it just happens to fit with like one of these structures, specifically that first one that you talked about. Like, I just find that my hunger cues surface within this window of time. For those individuals, I say, great. You are eating no need yeah. to label it anything else, right? You're eating yeah. in accordance with your cues. I have also worked with other people who have done an approach to eating like this in the past who say, I found myself really consistently ignoring my body's cues because I quote unquote, wasn't allowed to eat outside of this window. Yes. And I say, if people are falling into that category, that's again, where it can open up the door just some slippery slope behaviors with food. Cause if we're constantly ignoring our cues, that can lead to unsavory behaviors around food in the future. Absolutely. There was a, granted, we don't have to go into that, but the, the whole, the intuitive fasting book, fasting is not intuitive. (laughs) Yes. Ignoring your hunger cues when you have them, that's not intuitive. But the other thing that, that the pushing, oh, this autophagy, right? Like you need to fast to promote cellular regeneration. No, you do that. Like your body does that. And a lot of things that I'll tell people is you have a built-in fasting window every single day. It is called sleeping. Mm -hmm. So if you're really concerned about whether your body is repairing and rebuilding and doing all of those things, get a really good eight to 10 hour sleep window or non-eating window over when you're sleeping, try to get good uninterrupted sleep and look, you're intermittent fasting. You're getting the same benefits than you would get from intermittent fasting. By there you go. sleeping. <laughs> yes. And an exercise chemically, again, mimics the same benefits of intermittent fasting, yet you can still eat your food and go about your day. Yeah. I think what you're saying really reminds me of what I always try to bring into like client sessions and my content as well as this idea of health promoting behaviors, right? And knowing these are going to look different for everyone based on the desire and what they have access to. But I think everyone can agree that getting enough rest through sleep and managing stress and joyful movement, like all those things that you mentioned are generally going to be health promoting. So why don't we focus on those? And eating in accordance with body cues and eating a variety of foods and move on from there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the sad thing about all of those things is that they're not loud and scary Mm -hmm. and they're not clickbait. So they get much less attention than the, there's glyphosate in your Cheerios and you're going to die. Really? When there's really... With the when there's, yeah, when, sorry, it, you know, <laughs> there, there really isn't glyphosate in your Cheerios and they're just fine. 
and they're a good vegetarian source of beef you know, B12 and iron, but uh-huh. yeah, that's another thing I learned. Yeah. But you bring up a great point that everything that we're saying, I feel like when you say words like health promoting behavior, manage stress, eat a variety of foods, people are like, okay, but boring. Let me listen to this guy who's throwing out all these scary words. Right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. So I know our discussion about intermittent fasting was a, a little bit more brief, but hopefully people can, can catch our drift there. There are definitely some challenges when it comes to ignoring your cues. It sounds like we get a lot of the same benefits through resting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you get a good yeah. night's sleep, if you exercise, like you legitimately don't need to do that to get the, the special fasting benefits. And you can mimic a calorie deficit in a much healthier, sustainable, smaller way. And these things are what we need to keep in mind heading into the new year. So Angie, I could probably talk to you for hours and hours and hours, and we could keep going down the list, but, um, to be respectful of your time and to be respectful of our listeners are like, oh my gosh, too much information to take in. (laughs) My brain hurts. (laughs) Uh, Could you maybe tell everyone where they can find you, anything you want to plug, anything for them to look out for coming from you? And then we'll, we'll sign off from there. Um, I'm on the social medias as Andy does healthy. And that's where you can find me. Yeah. I highly recommend if people have not heard me enough already in your TikTok, highly recommend checking out Andy's TikTok. Um, But it has been a pleasure getting to connect with you. I mean, I feel like I've known you air quotes here for a while and I've seen your content, but it's great to be able to connect in live time. And uh, thank you so much for being here. But my listeners... Happy 2022. This is all Andy and I have for you today. Anything else you want to add here before we sign off, Andy? Um, don't fall. Don't in this new year, new you, the old you is awesome. The you old don't need awesome. a new you. I don't need a new me. I just need a nap. Exactly. <laughs> And that is all we have to say. So Andy, thank you again so much for being here. My My listeners, if you enjoyed today's episode, feel free to tap those five stars and leave us a review. But we are going to go ahead and sign off by saying yours, Julie, Claire, and Andy. And there you have it, my friend. That is a wrap for episode 159 here on the Yours Truly podcast with the one and only Andy Miller. Like I just said as we were wrapping up, if you enjoyed anything from today's episode or if you like anything else that I've ever shared here on the podcast, I would be so incredibly grateful if you could take a second, a minute out of your day and tap those five stars, maybe even leave a review if you feel so inclined. You can do both of those if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, but if you are listening on another streaming platform, you can take a screenshot of wherever you're listening to this episode, maybe share it with a friend, upload it to social media, give me a tag at Claire Tuning. If you'd like to tag Andy as well, her handle is at Andy Does Healthy. We would love to say hey and thank you for listening. But until next week, hope you stay warm, have a great whatever week of January this is, and I'll see you back here soon. Take care.